There are many interesting halachis on Purim. One, for example, is the reading of the Megillah twice. Why, when it comes to the other mitzvahs, like the charity and the gifts and the meal, we say that this is done during the day. However, when it comes to Megillah, here we are told to read the Megillah twice, one at night and one during the day. Now, in the Megillah itself, it says, these are the days that are remembered and actualized. These days implying the day, not the night. However, the Gemara in Megillah says that not only should we read the Megillah during the day, but also at night. And it brings it a pasuk. It brings a verse. The verse says, Hashem Which means, in order that I sing your praise, that represents the Megillah reading during the day. The Loyidoim, I will not be silent even at night. In other words, according to the Noida Behuda and other major commentaries, the main reading of the Megillah is really during the day. This was the original establishment of the mitzvah <clears throat> to read the Megillah during the day. And therefore it has the strength of Divrei Kabbalah, it has the strength of a Torah law and all the stringencies connected to it. Later, it was also added to recite the Megillah at night. Therefore that became a rabbinic requirement. So you read the Megillah during the day, that's a Torah law. You read the Megillah at night, that's a rabbinic law. Why did they add to the reading of the Megillah at night? And the answer is that the day represents joy, it represents peace, it represents freedom. Night represents golos, it represents exile and darkness and challenges and difficulties. We find that as the Jews went into golos, when the Jews went into exile and they entered into darkness, the rabbis added siyagim to the Torah. The rabbis added fences around the Torah. The purpose of these fences was to give us strength to overcome the additional challenges. For example, in the early days, we only had shachris and mincha, the morning and afternoon service. Later, we also added the Mairiv service, the evening service. Why? Because as the nights became darker, as Golos and exile became more intense, we needed more light to give us inspiration and direction. And so Mairiv was added to the daily routine. The same is true with the Megillah. Not only do we Not only do we acknowledge God, not only do we sing to God during the day when things are great and things are happy and things are amazing, but also at night when times are challenging and things are difficult and there's a lot of chaos in the world, there's pandemics in the world. We also need to read the Megillah. We also need to acknowledge Almighty God for His kindness and see God's divine providence in every action. And so, we read the Megillah during the day, 
and at night. We find an interesting halachic detail, and that is, during the day, because it's a Torah law, we're more machmer, we're more stringent. At night, we're more makel, we're more lenient. Now, you would think it would be the opposite. At night, because it's dark, and because there's challenges, and because evil is very powerful, we would need to make more fences around the Torah, and therefore at night it should be even more stringent than during the day. Yet, according to our lochas, the opposite. During the day, there are more stringencies, in contrast to the night. And the answer is that at night, we're like a poor person. A poor person, when he meditates on a situation, he acknowledges a situation. He breaks down and cries, and he asks God for mercy and blessing. This is when a person acknowledges that they are poor and they are poverty-stricken, either money-wise, monetarily, or spiritually. They are poverty-stricken in their knowledge of Torah. They are poverty-stricken in their observance of Torah. However, the day means that a person believes in himself. He thinks he's knowledgeable. He believes and thinks that he has accomplished a lot in Torah. That person who, even though he's in Golos, and even though compared to God's infinity, is really a poor person, but thinks that he is truly rich, that person needs to recite the Megillah even more. And therefore, there are more chumrot, there are more stringencies placed on the reading of the Megillah during the day under those circumstances than when one reads the Megillah at night knowing and acknowledging his shortcomings. So this is the idea of reading the Megillah twice, once in the day and once at night. It's similar to the recital of the Shema. We are supposed to recite the Shema twice a day, when we lie down and when we arise. When we lie down means when things are difficult. We have to say, Shema Yisrael, hear our Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. <clears throat> when a person goes through difficulties and challenges, many times he wakes up, he says, I need God, God, where are you? So it's easy to find God. But during the day when things are fantastic and robust and you have success and all the glory and blessings of life, it's difficult to acknowledge God. It's difficult to think about God. You have no time for God. And therefore you have the mitzvah to say Shema during the day, even under good circumstances. And there are those... <clears throat> There are those who are able to say the Shema during the day when things are good. But then when it comes to difficult times, it's not so difficult. Or rather, when it comes to difficult times, for them, it's more challenging to recite the Shema. And therefore, the mitzvah is upon everybody to recite the Shema during the day and during at night. This week's Torah portion is the portion of Kisisa. Kisisa talks about the mitzvah of the half a dollars, the machzah shekel. This mitzvah of the half a dollars is directly connected to the holiday of Purim. What's the connection? If you read the Megillah, it says that Haman went to Achashverosh and said to Achashverosh, there is a nation, there's one nation that is spread forth throughout all the 
countries of the king. However, with the same Shainis Mikalam, their culture, their religion is very different than all the other nations of the world. And therefore, it would be a good idea for the king to destroy them because they are sleeping when it comes to their mitzvahs. They are disunited when it comes to their unity. And so he offers the king 10,000 silver dollars. Now, the Gemara tells us in the Megillah that God Almighty saw this day would come. And therefore, because he saw one day the evil Haman would try to buy off the Jews by giving Ahasuerus 10,000 silver dollars, already he preceded this by commanding the Jewish people to give a half a dollar in the desert to build the Holy Temple and to bring sacrifices. It's interesting to note that the commentaries explain that the 600,000 people that brought the half a dollars in the desert are equivalent to the exact same amount of money that Haman brought to Ahasuerus. How did Haman know? How did Haman know that these 10,000 silver dollars that year in Persia would be the exact amount of money that the Jewish people gave in the desert before Almighty God? The Priyetz Chaim, the writings of the Arizal and other great Kabbalists explain that Haman was a master of black magic. And he figured out exactly how much money they gave to build the temple. And therefore, he wanted to counteract that mitzvah. And by doing so, he would channel the energy of the Jewish people and be able to destroy the Jewish people. So says the Talmud. God said, we already outsmarted you. We proceeded by giving our coins before you gave your coins. Comes the question to mind. One person giving a donation of 10,000 silver dollars is much greater than 600,000 people giving a half a dollar. Now, it's true, it's difficult to find 600,000 people and put them all together and get the half a dollar. But, in essence, one check, one donation, one credit card that says, take off 10,000 silver dollars is a much larger and much more valuable donation than 50 cent pieces from 600,000 people. Yet, says the Gemara, that God Almighty considered the giving of the half a dollars to be more valuable than this one giant amount of 10,000 silver dollars. That was equivalent to 600,000 half a dollars. Furthermore, when it came to giving the half a dollars, says the Torah, the rich man should not give more. The poor man should not give, give less. Comes the question to mind, why not? We know there's a mitzvah in the Torah called one should give the best unto God. Furthermore, a rich man that gives a sacrifice of a poor man does not fulfill the obligation. Yet, 
When it came to the half a dollar, Torah says, no, the rich man should not give more than the half a dollar. Similarly, why should the poor man not give less if he cannot afford it, if he's truly poor? Let him give one penny to tzedakah. Let him give a small contribution to show his participation, to show his devotion. But he doesn't have the money. Why force him to give a half a dollar? Furthermore, even one penny has value. As we find in the Gemara, it says a person can marry his wife by giving her one penny. All you need is one penny. So one penny is enough for a transaction. It has value. Why do we force the poor man to give a half a dollar? And the answer is, as we said earlier, that Haman wanted to tap in to the lifeline of the Jewish people. He wanted to conquer the Jewish people and annihilate the Jewish people. And therefore, the way to overcome Haman is to precede Haman, not only in time, but also in value. And the way to do this was by giving the half a dollar and by making sure that every Jew participated. What is the concept of this half a dollar? The concept of the half a dollar is to find the common denominator where every person is equal. Every person is equal beyond his ten attributes. Every person is equal when you go to the essence of his soul. When you go to the essence of his soul, that's where every person is equal. Externally, we're different, which is one of the reasons or the lessons that we derive from Purim pertaining to the costumes. They once asked the Rebbe, what do you learn from the costumes on Purim? And he said, look, one person is dressed like a clown, another person like an animal, another person like something we have no idea how to describe. And yet, when you look at them, you don't get angry at them. If they do foolish things, you realize it's only a costume. Because inside that person, there's a good person. Inside that person, there's someone who's wholesome. Inside that costume, there is someone who's truly altruistic. And the same is true when we see people on the outside. We have to realize it's only a shell. It's only a costume. Sometimes they say something which is disparaging. Sometimes they do something which is hurtful. Sometimes they they may say something which is a bit harsh. But we have to realize it's only a costume. You have to see the essence of the soul. The essence is pure. The essence is godly. The essence is holy. And the essence is truly loving. And this is derived from the Machsis HaShekel. When each person gave a half. Acknowledging I'm only a half. I'm incomplete. The only way I could connect with another Jew is by giving half of a dollar. Because I'm connecting to the essence beyond the physical beyond the material, and even beyond the ten attributes of the soul. And furthermore, what happens with these dollars, these half a dollars, they're brought to the temple, and they build the Adonim, they build the silver sockets, which are the foundation of the Holy Temple. The foundation is self-sacrifice. And furthermore, the half a dollars were used to buy the sacrifices, which were used not only daily, but also on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. When we use these half a dollars to bring the sacrifices on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, then we are atoned for all of our sins. 
then we are atoned for all of our imperfections. Then we are atoned for all our flaws. Haman has no power over us. No Haman. No anti-Semite. No enemy throughout history can, God forbid, tamper with the children of Almighty God. And that is the, the message of Kisisa, the portion of the week, <clears throat> and how it connects with the holiday of Purim. My dear friends, this year we celebrated a triple Purim. Now you may say in America it was really only one day. What do you mean a three-day Purim? But we know that from Zion comes forth the Torah, from Jerusalem comes forth all of the lessons. And therefore, because in Yerushalayim, because in Jerusalem they are celebrating a three-day Purim, even if we are outside of Jerusalem, we have the power to celebrate a three-day Purim. And therefore today, even though you are not in Jerusalem, but yet we are part of Jerusalem. We are connected to Jerusalem. And therefore we have this three-day Purim. It's interesting to note that each day of Purim gets higher and higher. Each day of Purim gets greater and greater. Each day of Purim gets more and more joyous. So the first day of Purim, which is Friday, the 14th day of Purim, yes, we have to be very joyous. You read the Megillah. Kam Shabbos, Shushan Purim. This is the 15th of the month of Ador. As my wife mentioned to me, she realized that the moon was complete on the 15th, Friday night. And I said that that is true. That on Chushan Purim, the moon is even greater and bigger and brighter than it is on the 14th, which is the first day of Purim. Because on the second day of Purim, on Chushan Purim, we have more brightness, we have more glory, we have more greatness. What is Shushan Purim? As it says in the Megillah, that Esther asked from Achashverosh that for the Jews living in Shushan to give us one more day. And similarly, the Talmud says that not only in Shushan, but for all generations, any city that was walled in the time of Yehoshua would celebrate on the 15th day of the month of Ador to remember the Shushan Purim. Why Shushan Purim? Why the 15th of Adar? This is the day that we celebrate the walled cities. The idea of a walled city represents that we are walled. We are protected from all four sides from our enemy. When an enemy wants to attack and they see a walled city, they think twice. A city that's not walled is very easy to defeat. <clears throat> but once you have to knock down the walls or climb over the walls and fight against the walls the enemy will think at least two or three times. And the same is true, the enemy, which is the Haman, that is inside of each and every one of us. Haman or Russia. This is the evil inclination. This is the Yetzirah, who disguises himself with many masks every day to try to challenge us, to try to get us to do sins. On the first day of Purim, he tries to challenge us. We read the Megillah. But then, by the fact that we do mitzvot, and we give tzedakah, and we celebrate we now reached a new level of godliness, a new level of spirituality. We move on to the 15th of Adar. There's more light. There's more power. And now we create a wall, a shield around ourselves from all four sides. 
And this Yetzirah, this Haman, this evil inclination has no power over us. We then move on to the 16th day of Ador, the third day of Purim, the third day of this Purim Mishulash in Yerushalayim, when we are no longer in the walled city because on the 16th day is no longer Shushan Purim implying that we're so strong, we're so powerful in our Yiddishkeit, we're so connected and so devoted to Hashem, that even without these walls, we have the power to defeat the Haman, we have the power to defeat the Yetzirah, we have the power to serve Hashem unconditionally. And so, my dear friends, this is the, the message of Purim. When we have a Purim Shulosh, we know that three days represents a chazaka. Anything that happens three times in a row, says the Talmud, has the power of eternity. And so Purim represents the holiday of joy. Now that we are joyous for one day and a second day and a third day, we have now the power to bring joy into the rest of the month and then into the following month and then into the rest of the year. And we know that it's through simcha, through joy, that point is gather that we have the power to break through all boundaries. It's through joy that we have the power to break through all evil. It is through joy that we have the power to break any illness and any pandemic. There's a story that a Yid once came to the Rebbe and said to him that his father suffered a terrible heart attack. And the Rebbe said to him, Trach good with good. Think positive is going to be positive. And so he began to think positive. Later, he called Israel and he found out that his father was doing better. The next day, he met the Rebbe and he said, my father is doing better. The Rebbe said to him, no. When did he start doing better? When you started to think positive? He says, yes. When I began to think positive, he began to do better. And therefore, said the Rebbe, from now on, you should only think positive. And so Purim comes along and reminds us, Trach gut Think positive is going to be positive. And this positive thinking has the ability to change the physical body. This positive thinking has the power to change the reality. This positive thinking has the power to change our state of mind and state of Golos. So we hope and pray that as we celebrate Purim, so too we'll continue to celebrate Passover and many holidays. As we, we spoke many times that when Mashiach will come, all the holidays will be nullified Besides the holiday of Purim, comes the question to mind, what does it mean? We're not going to eat matzah on Pesach. We're not going to eat cheese blintzes on Shavuos. And the Rebbe explains that when Mashiach will come, the light of the sun will be so much greater than it is today. The light of Eurishel Mashiach, the light of Mashiach, will be so bright that all the holidays will be like a candle in the face of the sun. So yes, we will eat matzah on Pesach. Yes, you will eat cheesecake on Shavuos. Yet, yes, you will blow the chauffeur on Rosh Hashanah. However, it's only going to be like a candle compared to the light that we are going to experience every day through the light of Mashiach. Yet Purim, Purim will be different. The light of Purim is so great that it will even outshine the sun. The light of Purim is so great, it will, it will even outshine the light of Mashiach. 
If that is the case, we have to access this light today. If that is the case, we have to rejoice today, put in, because this is the light of the future. This is the light of eternity. This is the light that even outshines the light of the future. And so, my dear friends, it's not too late, even though you're not in Jerusalem today. But if your mind says, I'm in Jerusalem, if you focus on Jerusalem, if you meditate on Jerusalem, then you are in Jerusalem. And therefore, you could still make up for the mitzvahs that you missed on Purim spiritually. You can give more tzedakah today. You can learn more Torah today. You could unite with another Jew today, with another person today. And by doing so, this is the way you celebrate Purim. For the theme of Purim is all about unity. The theme of Purim is all about Achdus Yisrael making the entire people whole. And through this we will have not only Achdus Yisrael, the oneness of the Jewish people, but also Achdus Hashem, the oneness of God, of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekein, Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord, God is truly one. And through this oneness, we will defeat any Haman and all Haman, any anti-Semite, including the Yetzirah, the Haman inside of us, with the coming of Mashiach, speedily in our days.